Happy New Year and welcome to Free Trails Rollout of the 2023 Trail Runner of the Year Award presented by Ketone IQ. I'm your host, Dylan Bowman, and for the first 10 days of 2024, we will be counting down the top 10 trail athletes in the world for both men and women, as was voted on by a thousand trail running fans from around the world. Together with the athletes, we recount their seasons, contemplate highs and lows, meditate on some learnings, and look ahead to their goals for the future. As I said, Trail Runner of the Year is presented by Ketone IQ, the game-changing ketone supplement that is taking the endurance world by storm. You'll hear more from them later, but please visit the show notes for a link you can use for 30% off your first subscription of this amazing product. It's hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30. And again, that link is in the show notes. Today, we hear from the number eight trail runners of the year, Leah Yangling from Salt Lake City, Utah, and Stian Angermoon from Bergen, Norway. Leah has been one of the most consistent performers in the world the last couple of years in 2023. Second place at Way Too Cool 50K, ninth place at Western States, eighth place at UTMB, top 10 in the two biggest 100 milers in the world in the same summer. Shout out to Leah. Stian, again, had an incredible season. He won the Istria by UTMB 69K in the spring. He then defended his gold medal at the World Championship in Innsbruck in June and finished his season with another huge victory at OCC, the World Final for 50K. Steon, truly one of the icons of the sport, included in this list for the second year in a row. We'll start with an interview with Leah that we recorded last week, and then we'll follow that up with a clip from an interview with Steon from the Subhub podcast with co-hosts Danny Moreno and MK Sullivan, recorded after he won the world championship in June. Steon recently welcomed another child to the world with his family. So we were unable to get an interview with him. So we're plugging this clip in here and we link to the full episode from the sub hub in the show notes. Hopefully we'll get Steon on for a long form convo sometime in 2024. Huge congrats to both Steon and Leah. Hope you guys enjoy the interviews. We'll be back again tomorrow with number seven. Happy holidays to you. Congratulations on eighth place trail runner of the year. Thanks so much, Dylan. Happy holidays to you. Before we get into some of the details as we close the year, how are you feeling about the season in context? It's been a long season and right now I'm in major recovery mode. So it's very easy to feel far from the version of myself that I was at various aspects during the season, but I love this part of the year as well. So just really hunkering down, recovering and taking in what was probably a good nine to 10 months of pretty serious training. So happy to be where I'm at right now and also happy to enjoy every little race that I had uh, go through pretty successfully this past year. You do race with a pretty respectable volume throughout the year. At least you have (laughs) the last couple of seasons. I'm glad to hear that you're good at decompressing. Has that always been the case? Because I think there's a lot of people who, you know, have a difficult time unplugging and taking the watch off this time of the year. I'm almost too good at this part of the season, I think. (laughs) Me too. Me too. (laughs) It becomes problematic when I have to jump back into things. And usually, I mean, I like when mine and my husband Mike's schedules align because we can both recover together. But we always say like, he's way more jazzed about running than I am. And this time of year really shows where I'm like, (laughs) no, I'm good. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's funny. You know, we've done Sober January every year for like almost a decade now. And it's always a great way to start the year. But it's because I'm so good at Christmas and New (laughs) Year's that I sort of need to detoxify at that point. So anyway, we'll both be uh, hanging out here for the remaining days of 2023. So Obviously, we're here to talk about all the great things you did um, this racing season. But maybe let's start with the most recent thing. Start get the get the bad stuff out of the way. <laughs> you were just returning home from Ultra Trail Cape Town, where you had an unfortunate DNF. Tell the people about that. Any learnings that came as a result? Yeah, that was that was a tough one, but also a pretty easy decision for me to make in the moment. Um, Ultra Trail Cape Town was the first time I had experienced Cape Town in any capacity, and man, just what a place! What an event! Like I came back just so full of energy, despite my DNF, given the community there, the race organization, just the people we met. So I highly advocate for everybody listening, go experience that race because it is everything that I love about ultra running. And I'm sure uh, that emotion would be felt among anybody that went out there to experience it. But yeah, I, um, I took a leave of absence from work about four and a half months ago and just went back last week, which was a little unfortunate, but I was really just emphasizing recovery in my training and maybe not trying to emphasize the training aspect as much. And I was really hoping going into Cape town that, you know, that would shine. And I felt good. I had one of the best training blocks of my life going into it, but I think what I experienced on race day was the product of a really long season. I got to about two and a half hours in of what should have been about a 12 and a half hour race, just feeling mentally done physically had nothing and was just watching the race run away from me. And my mind immediately went to, gosh, you're not having the day you came here for. You're mentally tapped out. It's been a long season. Mike's having a decent day out there. Why don't we just go put that energy <laughs> towards his day? So made the unfortunate decision to uh, drop out around the marathon mark, which totally, totally okay with. Yeah. Um, and then unfortunately I found out Mike had dropped, you know, within an hour later. So then we channeled that energy into our friends who had two great days, Caleb Wilson and Anthony Costales. Yeah, man, that Salt Lake crew did show up down there in Cape Town. Say more about this leave of absence thing, because I think that's, you know, obviously it's, it's hard to disentangle our professional lives and our athletic lives. And you've been able to enjoy what has been an awesome summer of racing without a lot of the professional obligations. I'm sure people would love to hear you talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, I'm really passionate about my career. I'm a biomedical engineer by training, and I work in the medical device space in the cardiology and electrophysiology realm. And a part of my job is a decent amount of travel. So I'm regionally responsible for Utah, Idaho, and Montana, and I live here in Salt Lake City. So this ends up being a good amount of like flights I'm taking weekly, a lot of late night flights that just cut into good sleep, cut into good balance back here at home in my like family life, um, social life, running life. Um, I have bounced around the idea of like, you know, what would it be like to just take some time off from work? And fortunately for me, um, I work for Johnson and Johnson and my company was really flexible with me this past year when I brought up some of the concerns with my balance with work and they offered up this leave of absence that, um, was about 90, 90 days or so. Um, and I kind of took it and ran with it. I figured there was no better time than, um, my last couple of weeks going into UTMB this past summer to really take a step back, recover, sleep, kind of live that training and professional athlete life for a little bit. But 
doing so, I also realized how much I do like the balance that work mm. gives to my training life. And I think that really showed with that block going into Cape Town. You know, I had my best training, best recovery, but also like not the races that I'm used to having. Huh. I've never had that kind of energy lack of, I guess, that early in a race. And who knows what I can attribute it to. But part of me does think it could be due to just to evening out that balance a little bit better. What a great employer, Jay and Jay saying, hey, we've got a great athlete on our hands. Maybe she should empower her a little bit more. <laughs> they probably thought 50-50, Leah never comes back. She's just going to yeah, be traveling I, I the world. I think so, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your season. You know, when I think about you, I think of you more as like a long course person, but I was just like re looking at reminding myself about your season like you're second at way too cool and you race all different distances but top 10 at both western states and utmb i would i'd love to hear you just like talk about you know we're sort of it feels to me in an age of like moving towards specialization and you're very much like a, a generalist so maybe where you see your strengths at this point in your career where you see like your highest level of motivation anything you want to say about the tension between like specializing and being a generalist totally i love to do all of it i will say like from a specialization perspective during cape town all i kept thinking about was man, I like those mountain hundred milers right now. And I hate the fact that this is a hundred K I wish this was a hundred miles. So I, maybe that's my first uh, step towards realization that maybe I do specialize a little bit more in the hundred mile distance because I like to go a little bit slower for a longer amount of time. And just, I think my resilience and just troubleshooting kind of comes into play a little bit more, the longer it is. However, I really do like framing my seasons around kind of like a build and distance. For example, like I did this year with like working on my speed through the winter, showing up a way too cool, running a faster 50K that I'm used to, and then just kind of building into the summer from there. I do think training for longer stuff in the season, um, early in the season in Salt Lake City is a little tricky. So it's pretty easy to focus on roads in the winter here. And I think I might continue doing that for, you know, seasons to come. Yeah, cool. So then Western States, you're ninth, you're sixth in 2022. You ran 45 minutes faster, but three places lower on a historically fast day. Oh <laughs> talk about talk about that day at Western States and any takeaways. Yeah, it was probably the most deja vu day I've ever had racing in my life. Everything played out identically to when I ran for sixth place in 2022, um, except I, yeah, I was three places lower. And I think I finished being like, nothing went wrong, had a perfect day, but dang, like I've never been so proud of a ninth place finish in my life. Right. So that was really at the peak of a lot of like work stress and travel for me. So I was like perfect day for me out there, all things considered, um, the training that I was given and just my execution on the day. I love Western States. I like executing Western States well, and it was just a good day of execution and having fun, but feeling like it was impossible to chase down the six minutes that separated six or nine minutes that separated me from like sixth place this year. I feel like I'm really good at getting fifth to 10th at Western State. It's <laughs> a little different. Oh, well, maybe we'll talk about next year here in a second, but yeah, executing Western States is so, so difficult by the time this podcast comes out, we will have already talked to Tyler Green, who we also sort of, uh, 
explored that territory together. <laughs> so speaking of Tyler Green, you and Tyler and Matthew Blanchard all were top 10 in both Western States, UTMB. Obviously, there's always been this kind of storyline that it's difficult to do both well in the same summer. Anything you want to say about what led to that strong eighth place finish at UTMB and what people can do to approach that double more effectively? Actually, I think one of our first conversations we ever had in person, Dylan, you were like, you remind me of Tyler Green. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is such a compliment. That is such a compliment. Yes. Man, I can't <laughs> imagine like being like, I love, I love Tyler. I love the way he trains. Um, and I think it, it did benefit me even living with him and Rachel out in um, Lays Hoosh this summer while we were training for UTMB. Uh, approaching the double is challenging. I think in order to have your best day at both, you really do need to emphasize recovery, but then you also need to get back on the horse pretty soon after without putting a lot of stress on yourself. And I think it's extremely easy to look at a lot of the people's training who are also training for UTMB and to see the volume that they're doing and to try to remove any pressures around trying to replicate that from yourself. So that's what I did this summer. I really just wanted to emphasize recovery after Western States, which was quite easy this year. I think because it was a cooler year, um, Western States didn't damage me too much. Um, but then I just really had to take a step back and be like, Leah, what training works for you? Um, and that wasn't much, honestly, it was like 13 hours, most weeks, 10 to 13 hours. And then maybe one peak peak week in there, but just making sure I could line up at UTMB feeling like ready to take on that distance mentally. I knew I could physically endure it, but it was more the mental piece that I was a little unsure about. So I think advice to anybody hoping to double back with both of those, it's just making sure you're mentally recovered from your first big effort, because that'll make encountering the entire night, encountering these multiple, multiple long climbs that are never ending. Um, it'll make it a little easier. How did you feel about your UTMB performance? Because to, to me, it was like classic Lee Yingling <laughs> slash Tyler Green type day too. Yeah, um, it was good. It was very good for my first attempt there. I was very satisfied with it. I went in with goals of running about an hour and a half faster. I know I can run under 25 hours there. So I, and I got passed at at stages during the race where I was like, dang, I wish I could be running like Maite right now because normally in a race I am, but that last 25 miles of UTMB was quite challenging for me this year. And it was really about just hanging on. My quads were busted. My feet were busted. So I really do want to go back and execute it a little bit better, maybe modify my training a little bit, but man, it's impossible to be disappointed with an eighth place, eighth place finish and running a little bit over 26 hours at your first UTMB. Yeah. Awesome. Well, speaking of going back, let's start to talk about the future. Obviously we've touched on a few of the highlights of 2023. This is now the time as you head back to the East coast to spend time with your family, to put pen to paper and start setting goals. Anything you want to share with your fans? Yeah. All I know is Mike and I were just going through our race schedules for last year. And I think we like deleted and re-entered different calendars for each other, like three times in the course of one hour. So most recently coming up is a six day ultra marathon with Lululemon, um, in the beginning of March. Uh, this is their event called further, and there's going to be 10 global ambassadors participating in this all with various goals that span, you know, maybe running 20 miles a day up to attacking the six day world record. Wow. So my goals personally for that, as it stands at this moment, likely to change as I'm 
sure they it will over the course of the next couple months is likely going after just a 24 hour um, target mileage and then seeing what I've got for the next five days. <laughs> wow! So I keep explaining to people like running on a flat shortish distance loop is kind of the antithesis of a lot of the training I've done training and racing I've done in recent years. So this will be an entirely new challenge for me. I've always wanted to, um, give an attempt at a 24 hour, um, distance. So we'll see, see how this plays out, see if I like it and maybe qualify for the 2025, uh, 24 hour team. And then looking further ahead, maybe we'll see at Western States, maybe we'll see at UTMB. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling <laughs> like. <laughs> uh, you don't need to say anymore. Don't feel pressured to say anymore. I'm, I'm just yeah. backing you into a corner. And yeah. I know, I, right now, I think Western States, I'm leaning towards a more definite on that one, despite me saying this past year, like I was two and done, maybe definitely three and done though, if I do show up. So yeah, we'll um, see about it that. Is, it is cool. Mike is about 10th on the wait list and we've been going back and forth about whether he'll line up or not once his name gets drawn. So it would be extremely fun to both be doing Western States together. I think he'd kick my so, so yeah, I was going to ask you about this too, because I was at the lottery, as you know, and I think it was David Lamb who I was talking to. <laughs> And he was like, yeah, when Mike got pulled on the wait list, I texted Leah and her response was something like, oh shit, or something <laughs> yeah. like that. So bring, it, bring us into the conversations that you and Mike have to have now evaluating whether it makes sense for you to both run. Do you lose your crew chief, et cetera? Yeah. You know, this past year he had a good photo contract lined up. So I actually, this year he wasn't really involved much as my crew chief. So at least I got experience with that. So Western States is that 100 miler where I feel like I could very much do without him um, because we've had such great friends support us over the last couple of years that I have full faith that they can do the job um, without him. Yeah. And I think for him, he's got a lot of passion for his photography projects and following the race and just really building that portfolio for himself. And like you probably can, you probably know like how much value Western States plays in a creative person's um, year. Yep. and just career in general. So he's kind of toggling back and forth with some of those ideas, but I do believe that Mike could possibly have an amazing day at Western States. He ran in 2013 was the golden hour finisher. So when we've been chatting about, wasn't it, he like, only like in his early twenties at that point too? Yeah. He was like 21, I think. And we've been chatting and he's like, maybe I can be like the most improved Western States finisher from their first attempt to their second attempt. Oh, yeah. So Still curious if he'll sign up or not, but I'm, I'm hoping he does because I think it'd be some fun trash talk, at least in our household. He'll crush it. And speaking of which, yeah, our creative guy, Ryan Thrower, is like 20 places behind him. So, yeah, it, even though it is important to be shooting photographs and taking videos, sometimes you got to take advantage of life opportunities. When they the present. focus has got to be on you occasionally. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> So Leah, I've been closing these interviews with the same question, and that is just asking you to give some kudos or shine a light on an individual who exists behind the scenes that contributes to your success in some way. And maybe say somebody other than Mike. Oh, that's so hard. Um, okay. Let's see here. I got to shout out my good friend, Peter. Um, I met him this year with through Lululemon and he dove head first into, uh, my season. I complete strangers last year, but he became like one of the people leading my crew of Western States this year. 
thoroughly involved in my progress and my successes in the good times, the bad times, and always that one friend that is tuning in, checking in with me and just making sure um, my mental space is good. So I really think having those people that just check in and say, how are you doing is extremely valuable. And whether you're in the sport, in a career, in your family life, um, those people are really meaningful. So extremely grateful for Peter. No doubt. Shout out, Peter. Well, Leah, congrats on another amazing season. I hope you have a fantastic holiday season and can't wait to watch what you do next year. Thanks so much, Dylan. Trail Runner of the Year is presented by Ketone IQ, the groundbreaking endurance nutrition product that is taking the world by storm. Scientifically proven to support endurance and recovery, Ketone IQ is trusted by some of the world's top performers, from Navy SEALs and Tour de France cyclists to pro athletes across all major sports, including now many of the world's best trail runners. I use Ketone IQ daily in my training and during my working hours, often right before recording podcasts or basically anytime I need to be on my A-game because that's what this is. Ketone IQ is A-game juice. There's a bunch of research on their website, but a couple important stats to leave you with here. Ketone supplementation has been shown to lead to a 7% improvement in cognitive performance. They're 28% more efficient sources of energy than glucose, which you find in most energy gel products. And finally, ketones have been shown to produce a 2% improvement in endurance. You can find references to this literature again on their website. These are huge numbers that the sporting world is starting to wake up to. Ketone IQ is on the cutting edge. This is the future of sports nutrition. Take advantage by visiting hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30 for 30% off a subscription. hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30. Next up in number eight for the men is Stian Angermoon from Norway. Stian is the only person in the top 10 who we were unable to track down for an interview, but luckily for us, our friends at the Subhub podcast had him on recently for a great conversation. So in lieu of a fresh interview here, we're going to just play a clip from the Subhub show with co-hosts Danny Moreno and MK Sullivan. There's a link to the full episode here in the show notes. So you, you, uh, the Skyrunning World Championships were somewhat of a disappointment because you weren't really able to even participate because you were so sleep deprived. And then yeah. you have the five week cycle before the World Championships in Thailand and you win. And so was then the plan to like go straight into training for Innsbruck? Um, because I know you did Istria as well before Innsbruck. Yeah. Uh, I, I took three weeks off doing uh, no running. And then I, uh, in December, I started building up the, the volume again. In January, February, March, I had a huge, uh, I don't remember amount of hours, but I had like a big, uh, big block of, uh, of training and uh, virtual. And yeah, Istria I did because I wanted to qualify for this uh, UTMB race called OCC. So uh, in order to, to do that race, I had to do this uh, Istria race in, in Croatia. And that was fun. Like I've never been in Croatia before. Yeah. No, that looked like a beautiful race. And it was cool seeing you finish with your, uh, your teammate there, uh, yeah. who's also new to A6. Um, and so... I also just like want to touch on t one more thing with Thailand. How did it feel to win? Because that was your first world championship win, right? Yeah, in in trail running, I won uh, in back in 2016 in uh, in sky running. So that was uh, fantastic and also emotional feeling to to win that race. It was 
yeah, it was cool. Like I feel it was a team uh, performance with my girlfriend. So I feel that uh, half of the gold, gold medal is hers. So I think like the most, to me, the most right thing was be that we will cross the finish line together. So, uh, yeah. I love that. So your girlfriend is the, the president of Nordic Sky Running, correct? Yeah. How did you guys meet? Uh, we met during, uh, yeah, d- during races. Like the, the first Sky Race, uh, both of us did were, were the same. That was the Dolomit Sky Race in 2014. But we didn't know each other there. We didn't met there at all. But uh, and then she went like all in and did the Sagama the following year and uh, a lot of races in Italy. She were the Italian skyrunning champion in 2016 or 17. I don't remember. So yeah, she moved. She is from Denmark and she moved to the to Switzerland and stayed there for three years, running all the races way before I did. And I started a little bit later, and then we just met at uh, at races. How long have you guys been together? Four. So like since 2014? No, we've been okay. together a little, little bit more than three years. Oh, okay. So everything so just... moved, everything went pretty fast. Yeah. When did you guys decide to have a family? Uh, yeah, like we, we got together in, was it like January, February in uh, 2020? And then COVID uh, hits us. <laughs> uh, and then we, uh, yeah, maybe we pushed uh, the rules about the COVID a little bit to go from Norway to Denmark a couple of times. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, we, we talked about it in August and then she was pregnant uh, in uh, November. So it was quite fast. <laughs> You're going to Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask who's the better downhiller. <laughs> yeah, she she's an awesome downhiller and I'm more of an uphiller. So if our daughter should maybe start running, hopefully she gets skills from both of us. <laughs> it sounds like she'll if, if she gets skills from even one of you, it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see what she is. The, what's her interest when she uh, become older? Like we, we yeah. won't push her to do sport. Like I hope she will enjoy nature. And uh, yeah, she can do whatever her want she wants. But she will be with us in in most races. So yeah. uh, may, maybe uh, uh, she will find an interest in running. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. So they usually travel with you to races. Yeah, we uh, we've done that several times. So um, yeah. So most 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 of the the last years have been like they following me to races, but I also hope in the future my my daughter and I will follow my girlfriend to races as well. That's awesome. Yeah, that that's really cool that she has both mom and dad to follow around to to cool places. What yeah. has been the like the most surprising thing that has come with fatherhood and training and competing that you weren't necessarily expecting? Um, hmm. Like lack of sleep is uh, definitely one of them. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, of course, it's a 
big difference. Like it's not only me. Like I need to focus more on like it's uh, we're a family and not like I can just go solo. So, but uh, yeah, when I'm tired of the training sessions, my and my daughter just runs around. Like I, uh, it could be hard just to uh, stand on my legs and run after her. <laughs> when i'm tired but uh, besides that it's uh yeah, it's, it's not like a big difference it's just uh it's nice it's uh it's cool with like this small uh, creature there running around and uh yeah like i i never been focused that much on babies before but when you have your own it's it's special it's uh it's so nice to see her uh learn new skills and uh now she can understand everything we're saying we can't understand her yet but uh what she is saying but uh, it's uh it's super fun how how old is she 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 is a year and 10 months oh so, so now cute. she's running around and she she's super fan of jumping <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's maybe cool. yeah maybe she'll be a basketball player or a track and field jumper yeah like basketball definitely not but like we're so short <laughs> like uh, i'm uh yeah very low my girlfriend's also low and our daughter is like clearly the lowest person in the whole kindergarten she's not the youngest <laughs> but the lowest so uh, <laughs> oh my gosh i love that <laughs> so you guys getting to thailand was a joint effort. Did do you feel like it got easier, like leading into Innsbruck, or or was like the challenge of having a kid and training the same? Yeah, it's, uh, I think it was much of the much of the same. Like uh, in in Thailand, then she she started going to kindergarten in was it September last year, and since then she's like. She's been sick so many times. Now she's like less sick, so it's a good thing. <laughs> but the last autumn was, uh, yeah, felt like uh, my daughter and girlfriend had like a relay of becoming sick. Uh, for me, I was lucky didn't take part that many times, but though <laughs> they were changing all the times, uh, so I felt sorry for them. But now it's getting a little bit better. Yeah. And you found out that she was allergic to milk, which I'm sure helped you guys adjust as well. Oh, that helps so much. Like leading up to this uh, Skyrunning World Championship, my girlfriend told me that, okay, now I can have two weeks of proper sleep before the race. And that was very kind of her. But during those two weeks, I just get more and more tired. When I started, I don't know why, but I was, yeah, super tired. And then two weeks after the championship, uh, still sleeping well. Then I start to recover. It took like four weeks of good sleep to recover from a half a year with no sleep. Yeah, I bet. Maybe you had finally gotten acclimated to living without sleep and then you had to yeah. get better. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So then you leave Thailand, you've won it. And the next World Championships is like only six months away. Do you immediately just switch gears to Innsbruck? Like an Istria was just a kind of like a tune-up or like, I don't know. I'm just curious, like how you thought about Innsbruck being the world champion and wanting to come back and win it again. Uh, I try not to focus too much on Innsbruck before like New Year's 
And after that, I uh, it was more and more on my mind and more and more during my, especially yeah, both easy and hard runs, I was focusing on thinking about this race. But I think it was good to have some weeks after Thailand just to try and to doing different things. Trying not to think about like, yeah, the next world championship is yeah, half a year away. So, um, but yeah, the, the focus on this race uh, was uh, greater and greater the closer I get to the race. What were some key sessions that gave you some confidence leading into the championship? And did you have confidence that you could potentially win again? Uh, because I won the in Thailand, then I knew it was possible to win in Innsbruck, but I knew it was hard. And I was very curious to see which runner that will would show up. And I think the level in Innsbruck was uh, fantastic. But I did uh, uh, some some session I, I did were the same. Like I have a hill over here that I run first an uphill interval and I jog easy down and I do a flat interval. And I repeat that three times. And uh, I did that uh, this year where I uh, actually was running faster on all the intervals than, than last year. Then I was like, okay, this is good. Then I was happy. Then I was like more, more confident. That's it for today. Tune back in tomorrow as the countdown continues for the 2023 Trail Runner of the Year presented by Ketone IQ. Speaking of which, don't forget, go get some ketones. HVMN.com forward slash free trail 30 for 30% off your subscription. Thanks so much to Ketone IQ for supporting the Trail Runner of the Year. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Love you. Bye.